Let's pray. God, once again, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask that you make the impossible possible. That you use us to fulfill your will once again in this place, and that you may use us to fulfill your will as we go out into the entire world. That we may live in this place what we live each and every day. That we may live in this place when we are together, what we hope to share with the entire world. That in Christ Jesus we are all one. That you may somehow make that more apparent through us, that you may use us in any way you see fit to do that. We put ourselves before you, we give you our lives, we give you our church, and ask that you help us to know how to do that throughout the world and throughout the rest of time. Please continue to use us as a light. Please continue to use us as salt. Again, in any way you see fit, we give you our lives, we give you our families, we give you this church family that is already yours in the name of Jesus. Amen. When you look up church and words like church in a search engine on the internet, you see all kinds of interesting things. But if we could go back and look at what church was supposed to look like in its early days, I think it would probably look something like people sitting in a living room, just sharing a meal together, people praying, maybe singing a song or two, someone telling stories from the life and teachings of Jesus, They made sure that everyone had enough food to eat for the week. They made sure that everyone had enough clothing and a place to live. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with gigantic, impressive church buildings, at the risk of sounding a little old-fashioned, the church is the people. The church is the people of Jesus. And that's why this little cluster of verses that we've been reading in Galatians 3 this fall, it's why it's so important and so central to the meetings of the Jesus people. It's about church because church is the people. Our dwelling in the Word passage that we've read this fall, and you've already heard it once today, we'll hear it again These little bookmarks that we printed up, which, by the way, there's a few left on the back table, and uh, they're going out of stock today. Today's the last day, so be sure to get one, or too bad. Here's what this says one more time. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. A slightly different version of two of the verses. This is from a different translation. As many of you as were baptized into Christ 
have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Now, both translations fail to capture the intensity of what this verse, both in its context and literally just word for word, stated especially to a church in Asia Minor. If you want to just go completely literal, it goes more along the lines of there cannot be Jew-Gentile. There cannot be slave-free. There cannot be male-female. Cannot. There can only be one, the only one, the one body of Christ. There cannot be divisions in Jesus. Oh, but there can. We see Jew versus Greek every single day. White supremacists and MS-13 and cartels on the border of the United States and Mexico and Brexit and Germans hating the Turks and China and Hong Kong. Every single group that I have just named has members who are Jesus people. There cannot be divisions in Jesus. Oh, but there can. We see free people enslaving immigrants from Asia into prostitution. Drug mules from Central America and the dark history of our own country's past and present with slaves. Every single group, both past and present, has members that are Jesus people. There cannot be divisions in Jesus. There can. Women are still somehow paid different wages than men working the same jobs. But these days, men are too often stereotyped as the bad guys in most narratives, both of which are rooted in complete injustice. All women are this way. All men are this way. And Christians participate in those stereotypes. So maybe what this comes down to is that the credits have yet to roll. We have not yet reached the end. We are still in the middle, which makes Galatians 3 and the statement so jarring, but also so hopeful. There cannot be. And on the one hand, we say, amen. There cannot be. There cannot be. It's not possible, not in Christ. And then we live in the day-to-day world and we say, oh yes, there can. And we constantly wrestle with that tension. 
which is precisely what we are supposed to do in a place like this. This is what the gathering of the Jesus people have always been about, wrestling with the tension of the way God intends for the world to be versus what it actually looks like. And you know how long it's been that way? I don't know how you read Genesis, but it seems like since day two, up to now. It's always been that way. Here's the way God made the world, and God said, here's the way things are supposed to be. Adam and Eve said, you got it. And then look what happened. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised whenever we look out in the world, and those who claim to be Jesus' people are participating in Jew versus Greek, slave versus free, male versus female. It's always been that way. Since day two, it has been this way. But what the people of Jesus are supposed to be saying and living is that in this place, just in this place, right here, this is all we can speak for. This is, this is, this is it, right here. This room, this moment, this is all we can be accountable for. But we are accountable for this. And as we are accountable in this place, when we look at the world and see Jew versus Greek, slave versus free, male versus female, our response as the people of Jesus has to be, but not in here. Not in here. And I know it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Nobody said this was going to be easy. But not in here. There cannot be. In here, there cannot be Jew versus Greek. There can be Jew and Greek, but there cannot be Jew versus Greek. And then, in here, around this table, and as we proclaim the Word of God, then we can say, well, actually, there can't. There cannot be even Jew and Greek, because those distinctions don't matter any longer. Slave and free, male, female, it's all the same. And think about this, Jew versus Greek or Jew versus Gentile. What's that really about? Is it about race? Yes. Is it about class? Yes, it's about class. But the biggest thing, especially whenever you know the rest of the book of Galatians and you know the history of Asia Minor, kind of pre-first century up to first century, and even, you know what that was really about? It was originally about Jewish Christians versus Gentile Christians. Because you know what was happening in the first century, right? You had most favored religious status and the stepchildren who were sort of just, well, you can be God's people, but y'all weren't born into this like we were born into this. So y'all come on in. And, yeah, Jesus loves you. Deep down, it was like, eh, yeah, but we were the ones. We've been here longer than you. Jesus told a parable one time about an older brother and a younger brother. See the parallels here? Now, to be fair, it is unfair for us 2,000 years later to paint that particular picture of the first century church. And you know why? Because what it does is it actually participates in the prejudice that Galatians 3 is speaking against. Because then you know what it does? It says, all Jewish Christians were this way and all Gentile Christians were this way. You see what just happened? You see how these little prejudices creep in? Because here's what happened in Galatia. 
uh, and I don't have this on authority, and I'm just totally making this up. But here's what happened. <laughs> there was an old Jewish Christian couple in the church in Galatia, 68, 69, 70, 71, you know, A.D. There's this little old Jewish Christian couple. And they invited every Sunday night, um, you know, the young Gentile Christian couples over to their house for hot dogs, you know, or something. And, and so anyway, they, they invited them over for supper. And this old, this old Jewish Christian couple, and I wish you could have known them, they were so great. They didn't look at their guests as Gentile Christians, and they didn't see themselves as Jewish Christians. They'd outgrown that. They'd grown up. They'd gotten past it, and they just didn't think that way anymore. You know, and so they, they, if they were here this morning, you know, by some sort of weird time travel, they would say, yeah, you know, a lot of our Jewish Christian friends did treat the Gentile Christians that way, but we didn't. I know the male versus female thing. Patriarchal society doesn't count when it comes to salvation in Jesus. But neither does swinging the prejudice in the opposite direction, in the opposite extreme. That doesn't do anybody any good. You know, when we come in here, if you're a man, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a woman, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're not so sure about gender or anything else, tell the story of Jesus Christ. I don't know how all this works. I do know, however... We're all one in Christ Jesus. And then the whole slave versus free one. I don't know. This is not about, it's not just about injustice. It is about injustice, but this is about basic humanity. This is the worst of the worst in 2019 Houston. I mean, this one right here, slave versus free. We think the Jew versus Greek thing is bad, and we think the male versus female thing is bad, and it is. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. The slave versus free, that one's the one that we should be paying the most attention to. And it's the one getting the least voice from most churches, especially in Houston in 2019 when slave versus free is happening in our neighborhood. And I'm not just talking about, well, it's happening some places in the city. You drive by this all the time. You go by nail salons that have slaves, real slaves in them, in, in this neighborhood. You drive up and down West Park Tollway, you see slaves. There's drug slaves, there's prostitution slaves. They're all over the city. And this is where we come in. These ideals of Galatians 3 give way to more ideals in Galatians 5. All of the divisions we see around us will not be a part of who we are 
as the people of Jesus. The one people of Jesus slash the all one in Christ Jesus people are people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if you fold in the three extras in Colossians 3, forgiveness, compassion, and humility. All right, so here's where the Word of God puts us to the test. Would you like to double our numbers, like our attendance roll, over the next 10 years? Would you like to do that? Most people would be like, oh yeah. All right, so here's where the Word of God puts us to a test. What if that extra 100 people that we brought in here were all slaves? And they can't bring a thing, like monetarily, to our church. They just come in here, and then they are a part of the body of Christ. 100 extra people, but they are people who got here because they were drug mules coming out of Honduras. They were sold into prostitution from China. But Jesus somehow used us, and I don't know how this works, but Jesus somehow used us to bring them into the salvation of Christ. Would we be any less of a church if that was what we look like 10 years from now? I don't know, the way Jesus tells these stories and the way Jesus lives these stories out in the Gospels seems to be like, no, you wouldn't certainly be any less of a church because you would be a place where when you looked at it, you would say, oh, okay, in there, there is no Jew versus Greek. There's no slave or free, there's no male or female. All of these things originated in one place. They originated with Jesus, who prayed in John 17, right before he went to the cross, and he prayed for us. And you know what Jesus prayed? in John 17, for us, that we may all be one. Amen.